Welcome to the It Just Works podcast. I'm Ryan. And I'm Brandon. And today we are going to be talking about Elder Scrolls and just about everything in between, which is our favorite game, the lore, favorite quests, weapons. If you love Elder Scrolls, you're definitely going to want to listen to this because we're about to nerd the fuck out. We're also going to talk about Pokemon briefly and the new Halo audio trailer from Halo Infinite where the Banished basically get announced. And that's it. Today we have a special guest with us. We have Alex. Go ahead and say hi to everybody, Alex. Hola. And he is our Bethesda correspondent. He basically knows way more than all of us combined. And he's disciple going to... of God Howard himself. Yes. If Todd Howard had a son, this would be his son. I'm pretty sure he has a son. Today we're going to be talking about Elder Scrolls. And it is an incredible series that everyone loves to hate. Skyrim has only been released a million times. But you know what? If it got released again... I'd probably buy it again. But first, before we jump into Elder Scrolls, Alex wanted to chime in on our who is the most overrated Pokemon conversation. Alex, take it away real quick. All right. So Pikachu is the most overrated Pokemon. So when do you guys uh, when you guys go out to like uh, social events or the mall, uh, what's the number one onesie you see? Uh, It is it is Pikachu. To be Bingo. fair, I've seen a couple Charmanders. Yeah, but Pikachu more. <laughs> I've, I've seen a lot of Pikachus. Yeah, you're right. Okay. Yep. So that's my uh, take on who is the most overrated Pokemon. You heard it here first, everyone. Charizard is not the most overrated Pokemon because you don't see his fucking onesies anywhere. That's right. Get the it second straight. one is Ho-Ho. Oof. Why? He's a weird-ass bird. Ho-Ho is a fire turkey. That means business. It farts out rainbows. It farts out rainbows. <laughs> Ash it's is still... over there trying to catch it. Man, fuck you. It's still badass. <laughs> it got a booty flake and he held on to it for a couple seasons. All right. So is that your is that your take on the, the Pokemon conversation? Yeah. Po- uh, retorts to anything. Okay, well, yeah. Pikachu is the most overrated Tomagaji, so remember that, everyone. So we're going to talk about Halo real quick. Uh, they decided to release a audio trailer for Halo Infinite, and it basically revealed that the Banished from Halo Wars 2 will be in the game. Honestly, I wasn't re- really surprised, but it was nice to have that confirmation. They were an amazing faction in the Halo Wars 2 campaign. Playing as them in the multiplayer was great. But uh, yeah, uh, it's the first piece of Infinite news we've had in a while, besides some toy leaks from the New York Comic Con. But uh, what about you guys? Do you do you like the banished? Do you not even care? What do you want from Halo Infinite? Uh, to be released. Yeah. <laughs> uh, shots fired. All I want to see is uh, both the shipmasters from the Swords of Sanghaley and the Banished duke it out. That no Star Wars dope. shit running into each other with hyperspeed or something. That would be. Oh, oof. Sorry, Last Jedi. You suck ass. Anyways, <laughs> no, I think that'd be really cool. They have so many characters now that they can have like these side plots uh, in the main campaign. So I'm, I'm curious to see what they do with it. Is there anything you guys would like to be brought back in terms of enemies real quick? You know, while we're on the subject of an enemy basically getting announced for the new game. Uh, you know, I'll go real quick. I hope the Flood come back. They were in Halo Wars 2 in the expansion. And I hope they find a way into Infinite. Because as much as the Prometheans are cool as a concept, the Flood is where it's at for me. Yeah, I agree. The Flood is definitely a uh, nostalgic enemy for me. It's the first time you encountered it in Halo Combat Evolved. It was 
terrifying. It was great, you know, and I think it'd be a little fan service to bring it back, but I'd be welcoming of that. I miss the flood, and I'd hope I get to fight them in uh, next gen glory. So, Alex, uh, I heard that uh, they're bringing back another, like the oldest Halo ring, like the Zeta Halo ring, and that's where like the first flood was, like the ultimate grave mind. So they might tie it in there. I mean, because uh, Atriox uh, said this installment is going to be taken over within a few hours, so they might be going there and taking it from the um, uh, Oni. Great. Yeah, uh, just real quick before we move on to Elder Scrolls, I'll give you my quick fan theory. Because, yes, the game is supposed to take place on uh, the Zeta Halo, which is the original Halo ring. And I believe that in the new book coming out where Reach... Uh, I'm sorry, where Master Chief goes back to Reach with Blue Team and Halsey, is that he goes back to make a new Cortana that's basically going to be the same Cortana we know and love that didn't go crazy in Halo 5 and we'll pretend that game doesn't exist. Um, you know, and they're going to go back to Zeta Halo, and it's basically every faction is going to be fighting for it, and I think the original Gravemind will be alive in there, and so it's just going to be just chaos. Uh but obviously, we still have the Guardians. I don't know if they're just going to completely write that off from Halo 5. The only redeeming factor of Halo 5 is the legendary ending, if you guys don't remember. I watched it recently, so I'll just touch up real quick. Uh, Locke basically uh, sets Chief free, and they go together on a pelican to St. Helios to meet up with excuse me, uh, Commander Palmer. Dr. Halsey and the Arbiter. So it's the first time we've seen Chief and the Arbiter standing next to each other since the ending of Halo 3. And I think the game is actually still going to incorporate uh, that ending into the Infinite campaign. But uh, I don't know, man. I think, honestly, this will be the last uh, Halo for Master Chief. It's just going to be an all-out war on the Zeta Halo ring. And if they're smart, they'll bring back some elements of ODST where it was like kind of open world, where you can kind of play the game as you want, but ultimately it still brings you to that linear direction. So you you finish the campaign at a correct level because, you know, technically with ODST, the way you can play it is you go to Dutch's level or Mickey's level, and you never really felt like you were out of place. It still found a way to get you on the right path. So I'm hoping that they kind of do that for Infinite. But that's a topic for another day. Alex, I would love for you to start the Elder Scrolls discussion. Uh, what is the first Elder Scrolls game you played, and when did you actually start loving the games if it wasn't the first one you played? Go ahead. All right. Well, I started with Marwan back in 2003, um, and I didn't know how to play the game. Uh, I'll be honest. I freaking just went to Balamora and fought guards and died or tried <laughs> to steal shit without them noticing and died. <laughs> <laughs> Sounds about right. But then uh, I saw the trailer for Oblivion come out in what, 2005, uh, and I was kept on bugging my mom. I was like, I need to get an Xbox 360. I need to play Oblivion. This game looks so amazing. And it was. I play that game still today, and then I went back to Morrowind, and then Skyrim came out. And then I went back to Daggerfall and Arena. But... I'd like to hear you guys, too. Yeah, so uh, I'll start next. Believe it or not, Morrowind was my first uh, Elder Scrolls game as well. My old neighbors um, 
my family friends, and believe it or not, if it wasn't for them, I wouldn't have played Halo in 2001. But they also had Morrowind. And I was playing uh, Old School RuneScape at the time. And it was like my first full like RPG besides Ocarina of Time. And, um, excuse me. And, uh, you know, I played it. I didn't know what the fuck I was doing. Just like you said, man, I got off the ship and I had no idea what to do. Like, I have never played a game at the time, of course. Obviously, if you go back and play it now, it's disgusting. But at the time, the game... <laughs> he still plays it till this day, everybody. Uh, at the time, the game just, like... It was it overwhelmed me, so to speak. Like, I didn't know what to do. So I didn't play it a, a lot. Probably maybe an hour of gameplay. I kept playing RuneScape. I got a 360... And then Oblivion came out. And Oblivion, my god, did it completely change my mind on RPGs. Uh, that game was the first one I really learned to love. And um, I bought the horse armor. <laughs> I, I swear to god. That is one of the first... Oil. Yeah, dude. So I bought the game. Uh, I think I got it uh, for sale. I didn't buy it at full price. And I don't know why I just bought the horse armor. It was the first thing I did, dude. And don't get me wrong, my horse looked badass. But that's when I learned to love the games because Oblivion has one of the best stories I've ever heard, like ever got to experience in my life. And I mean, I could go on and on about it, but that's the whole point of this episode. So, Brandon, what is the first Elder Scrolls game you played, and when did you learn to love them? So, my first Elder Scrolls was Oblivion on the 360 and um just like you said with morrowind i got extremely overwhelmed uh with just how open the game was you literally pop out you, you know help the king pop out of the sewers and then you're up to your own devices and i was like i don't know what the fuck to do but um so i didn't take to it very well at first but uh but i eventually powered through and uh, completed the campaign which was great from what i remember and i was a vampire by accident and I uh, finished the campaign during the daytime, and I was in a constant state of death. Every time I loaded up the save, I died. There's no way to recover it. So I stopped playing it after that. But um, but I started to love the series when Skyrim actually came out. You know, the fact that they were bringing back the dragons and you can actually fight them was when I liked I liked Oblivion, but I really fell in love with Skyrim simply because dragons. Uh, yeah, dude, the dragons. Oh my god. Oof. I'll never forget. Uh, it was the Video Game Awards. I don't know what year it was, but that's where they showed Skyrim. or That's where they revealed it. it they had the... Uh, what are they called? The walls? Um, oh my god, I am drawing a blank. Oh, shit. We got uh, the dragon. We got uh, the dragon. Prophecy show. wall. Yeah, oh. so they, yeah, so they showed the whole, like the dragonborn fighting alduin they and the dragon on the wall started moving and that's where they yeah, first the, showed the, the game. prophecy yeah yeah so it's where they first showed the game they i think they might have announced it before that i don't remember but that's where they showed it for the first time like gameplay the world and i was like fuck sign me up our first instance of fus roda yes fus roda oh damn it that's a really good dragon shout just saying mm. Yeah, so man. it's fun eating people off the mountain. <laughs> yeah, that's definitely 
<laughs> the minute I sent, um, you know, some bandits flying off of a mountain, uh, that's when I fell in love with Elder Scrolls. And I played Archer in Skyrim over and over again. But yeah, yeah, the, that's the archery in that game was really good. So you'd probably say that, obviously, Skyrim, with your overall experience, is pretty much where it's at for you. Even yeah, though the game... Lower. Late bloomer, but even though the game has been released four times, you still hold it dear to your heart. Good man. Uh, I'm going to go ahead and say my favorite one would have to be Oblivion. Uh, not because it was the one that like made me fall in love with RPGs in the main quest, but it also had like the best DLC. Uh, it had my favorite armor sets. You know, If anyone knows that's listening to this, uh, Elder Scrolls games uses the same armor sets. You know, gold, or I'm sorry, steel, iron... Elven, I said gold. I'm thinking of RuneScape. Gilded, bro. Uh, glass <laughs> armor, Daedric armor, and then Skyrim added dragon armor. But every game, they make the armors look extremely different. And in Oblivion, I felt like they did a really good job. The the whole, like, Cyrodiil as a whole just looked incredible. It just felt like a real fantasy world for the first time. It's kind of like the first time I played Halo, and you play the second mission, and you're, you know, it's literally called Halo, and you drop on the ring. And you get in the Warthog and you're driving around and you feel like you're in a completely different universe, like even from reality. And Oblivion was able to do that for me, too. So I would just say that even though Skyrim improved a lot of what I disliked with Oblivion, Oblivion's just phenomenal. Alex, what is your favorite Elder Scrolls game? Oh, I'm always torn between Oblivion and Morrowind. I'd say now is Morrowind, but when I was a kid, obviously Oblivion. Uh, I played the shit out of that game. I have four copies on the 360. That's because uh, some of the glitches and um, game-breaking bugs would uh, work differently on different discs. So like, if I ran into a, a problem, I would switch out my disc and put in another <laughs> one, and it would just be fine. <laughs> Oh, that's awesome, man. Yeah, uh, Bethesda and all their bugs, game-breaking bugs, and apparently, in your case, literally disc-breaking bugs. That's that's crazy, man. Yeah. Right. Yeah, you know, it, it seems like, you know, almost every time we talk to that Morrowind is definitely the one that really stands out to you the most. Um, all three of them are incredible games in their own right. They all hold up on their own till this day, even though Morrowind is... Oof. It's it's past its prime, I'd say. Uh, so, one of the things I wanted to talk about was the game mechanics. Though, is there any mechanics across these three games, since we mainly played these three, that really stood out to you guys? You know, one of the things I'll talk about first, and I know it sounds silly and extremely typical, but the sprinting in Skyrim really added a level of immersion to my game. Every time I ran with a full suit of armor on, and you can hear. You know, obviously, whoever did sound design nailed it. But you really felt like you were wearing a heavy piece of armor on your chest. You know, just and just the way they did it, where if you're wearing, like, leathers, like if you're playing as a hunter or a ranger, like, you, you didn't hear it as much. So you felt like you actually were being a, uh, you know, a sneaky character. And uh, I just would say that till this day, that mechanic probably be my favorite. What about you guys? I would say, yeah, Skyrim has the best mechanics. I mean, it's the newest, obviously. Uh, the sprinting, I'd say dual wielding, that was good. Um, 
blocking got improvements uh, where like you can get staggered. Uh, I mean, Oblivion had that too, but you know, Skyrim improved on it. Uh, Morrowind, it was all dice rolling, but uh, yeah, I'd say Skyrim has the best mechanics out of all the games. Uh, not RPG, but uh, mechanics as a whole. Like uh, gameplay mechanics, it's the one that really yeah. innovated on what the previous games have got right, and they really took it above and beyond. One of the things you can do with uh, blocking is, I believe if you get it, I think it's when you get maxed out, but you can basically run into people like you're fucking Captain America. Yeah. And it, <laughs> it's so much fun, and it never gets old. And with computer mods, it would make it so people went flying. So instead of like you can knock or staggering them or knocking them down a little bit, you literally flew them like made them fly across the map. It was incredible. Brandon, mechanics. Yeah. Um, I'm I'm gonna agree. Skyrim definitely has the best mechanics because they've had the time to um, you know, improve on what they've had in the, in the previous games. Uh, you know, like you mentioned, having your armor influence how you are in the world is a uh, it definitely adds a bit of immersion to it. You know, chainmail sounds like you're running in chainmail. When you're in light armor, you can be stealthier. And those kind of uh, mechanics weigh into what kind of player you're going to be. Because it'll be very difficult to uh, play a sneaky rogue or archer when, you know, you're wearing full-scale mail. As, it, as we see in a lot of other uh, role-playing games. But, uh, but yeah, definitely Skyrim has a lot of the great mechanics that were easy to enjoy, easy to grasp. But um, when it comes to, like, itself as a role-playing game, I feel like uh, Oblivion did that a lot better. Uh, yeah, I would say Oblivion. Um, I don't. I mean, I don't know if you guys played them. I don't remember, so I apologize. But for anyone listening as well, if you played the Mass Effect games, Mass Effect 1 started off as one of the most, like, craziest RPG games. The Mass Effect 2 really implemented the action part of the game you know with the gunplay uh just the, the mechanics in general and then honestly even though i love the game mass effect 3 almost entirely abandoned the rpg elements that mass effect 1 added and i would say that skyrim kind of did the same thing whereas oblivion you know from morrowind really upheld itself it it obviously took a lot from morrowind and didn't bring everything with it but skyrim i felt even though they nailed the mechanics, they really missed their mark when it came to the role playing part. Because even though I just got talk, I just talked about sprinting and how it made you feel more immersed in the game. Like I had to do that on my own and feel that way. Like Oblivion from the get go, you feel like you're just playing in a like a ridiculous RPG experience. And I don't know. I mean, I could, we, we're going to talk about the main quests and stuff from Skyrim, so I won't get into it yet. But uh, Alex, take well, it away. You look like you want to say something. Yeah. So, like, I my biggest gripe against uh, Skyrim is them taking away like athletics and acrobatics. You know, those skills and attributes all add into the game. Um, so when like you're leveling up, you know, it feels more like you instead of just this endless leveling, uh, like we get with the legendary edition. It feels like a chore. Uh, yeah. throughout the whole game no it does and uh you know obviously i haven't played oblivion in a while but you did bring up a point that you know acrobatics and athletics were a skill in those games so when i played the game 
I would purposely literally just press Y, dude, all day. Stamina would be down. I don't care. My athletics would be, like, maxed out within, like, honestly, like an hour, I guess. Acrobatics the same because you're just sitting there jumping and running. And it just allowed me to kind of level up through that and then focus on my other trees at the same time. And with Skyrim, it's kind of like, oh, cool, I leveled up. Like it, 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 they really, yeah. I less impact when you level. Yeah, they took it away for sure. I, yeah. So I, it's funny you say that because I was playing uh, Fallout seventy six a lot recently with the Wastelanders update, and I went back and played Skyrim Special Edition, and man, let me tell you what, I felt extremely sluggish. It did not feel good, and I love my Skyrim, but. I think the game might be getting a little too old at this point. So Todd Howard that. I know I, I can't tell our Lord and Savior Todd Howard that he will banish us forever. So one of the things I wanted to talk about with you guys was the overall world and exploration between the games. And this and for this question I have for you, you can go to Elder Scrolls Online if you want as well. Now, for anyone listening, Elder Scrolls Online added a ridiculous amount of landmarks from the Tamriel, uh, you know, from Tamriel. <laughs> Excuse me. But yeah, they added so much from all the games, a lot of the lore, but obviously it wasn't to scope as a full-fledged, you know, Oblivion, Skyrim, Morrowind. Well, Alex, what would you say is your favorite world to explore overall? Oh, exploration, it'd probably be Morrowind. Um, you know, you can be just walking around and find a cavern and suddenly you're in one of the caverns part of the main quest and you can fuck up the whole timeline (laughs) uh but best world i'd say daggerfall that's the biggest out of all the elder scrolls like the original daggerfall yeah oh yeah i didn't know that it's uh like four thousand uh four thousand times the size of skyrim what? Yeah. That's insane, dude. Wow. And here we Fra- are when Skyrim was about to release, and they were like, yeah, dude, this is how big the Skyrim map is. And people were doing walkthroughs of how long it takes to get from one end of the map to the other. And everyone was like, oh, shit, 11 minutes. Yeah, it takes two weeks for <laughs> oh, Christ. Daggerfall. <laughs> oh, jeez, dude. It's almost like RuneScape. Anyways. <laughs> so I would say my favorite world to explore and this might be cheating a little bit alex you can you can be judge and jerry on this but i'd say oblivion with the addition of shivering isles uh the honestly cyrodiil is insane every part of that region i cherish but shivering isles took the exploration and basically flipped it on its head when you go through that portal for the first time you are in a completely different universe and it Honestly, it blew my mind away. I wasn't expecting that uh, scope of DLC. Uh, when Shivering Isles came out, I was still just the most basic gamer. I didn't know what DLC was. I didn't know what expansion passes were. And, uh, you know, till this day, I think the most time I have ever spent in Shivering Isles in, in terms of pure gameplay is probably 200 hours. And the exploration in that uh, DLC felt like a brand new game. So I would say that one really stands out to me. Even with everything we got on uh, ESO in Skyrim with uh, Soulstime, which was great too, but 
honestly, Shivering Isles just takes the cake for me when it comes to exploration. Uh, if I could have that, like Oblivion Remastered and, of course, Shivering Isles, I would honestly never need another Elder Scrolls game, even though it's going to make so many people's ears bleed. <laughs> I'm not as well-versed in Elder Scrolls as you guys are, but um, I'm going to have to default to Skyrim. I enjoy, especially the time it came out, it um, you know, harkened back to kind of feeling like you're in the mountains and you equated to Game of Thrones. I was watching that at the time. So having the snowy environments and mountain escapes, um, that's the game I played the most. So therefore that's all I really know in terms of exploration, etc. But um, I will say the time I had with Skyrim, I enjoyed. And um, hearing you guys talk, it makes me want to look at the uh, Elder Scrolls options that we have on Steam right now. That's what I've been doing. Yeah, <laughs> I know. I know. Well, we're obviously going to be 50-50 on Skyrim the whole time because as much as the game is great, it does have its setbacks, but it also does improve a lot for the franchise. When you're going down the mountains towards Markarth, there is, you know, fog uh, going down the slopes. And I remember the first time I saw that, you know, on the 360, I was like, damn, like, this is like some next-gen gaming right here. You know, say what you will about Skyrim as a whole, but the... The environment in that game for the time it came out was, in my mind, revolutionary. Granted, I haven't played every game that came out, but it was on the level of, in my opinion, Crisis. Crisis 1. I don't know if you guys ever played that, but it was literally breaking computers when it came out. It was from Crytek. Oh, yeah, I remember that. Show. That game also really revolutionized, you know, uh, world maps. And I, I feel like it, Skyrim's really on par with that game, with what it did with its environment system. And the updates, uh, they also released They released a title update later on in the game's life where it improved on the water effects and it added, uh, you know, horse riding. And um, I'm sorry, they already had horse riding, but it allowed mounted combat. In that update, they uh, upgraded some textures in the environment, uh, mainly with the water. But to go back and play it again after that title update, I would say that that game, like, at the time, really held up, man. The environment for Skyrim is no joke. It should be taken serious because they did a really good job with it, among other things. Uh, one of the things I wanted to move on to, Brandon, if you... It's been a while for you, I know. So if you don't remember, it's, it's totally cool. But I wanted to go over what are your some of your favorite armor sets, if you remember, or weapons. So I'll go ahead and go first because I hope to God I can get it again someday in my life. But it's the Imperial Dragon Armor. When you complete the main quest from Oblivion, uh, till this day, it's probably one of the best armor sets I've seen in gaming. Although I'd probably change the brown a little bit. I do love the gold trimming. All my RuneScape fans out there. Uh, that's definitely going to be my favorite armor. And then uh, favorite weapon would have to be... Uh, wow, I'm drawing a blank. It's... um. Wow, what is that sword, Alex? The one you can duplicate in Skyrim. Oh, Dustfang. No, that's Oblivion. Duplicate. It's a Dawnbreaker? Yeah, Dawnbreaker. Oh, oh, yeah, Dawnbreaker, yeah. Yeah, I would say that weapon's my favorite. It's my go-to weapon when I start Skyrim. You have to be level 10 to get it. Once you get it, you can duplicate it. It's the Man easiest... touches the beacon. <laughs> it's the easiest thing to do. Uh, when you kill an undead enemy the area it does like an aoe explosion and hits other targets in the area and the weapon itself with the animations just look incredible and uh yeah i would say besides that 
before I hand it over to Alex, I want to say the Ariel's bow is a top contender too. You can shoot a sun hollowed arrow into the sun and it literally shoots out sun rays to enemy any enemies in the nearby area and it fucks them up. Alex, go ahead. Oh, my favorite armor is the glass armor from Morrowind. Um, if you guys haven't seen it, it's not the glossy shit. I'll look it up right now. From uh, Oblivion or the Thalmor, you know, looking crap from Skyrim. It's it's from the Vardenfell glass, and it looks amazing. Uh, I would just love to see it in Skyrim. I was not expecting that. Okay, I can confirm that glass armor is legit. What the fuck were they thinking in Oblivion and Skyrim? My god. Yeah. And the only thing I would have changed in the future games, like maybe they could have done it like region, um, you know, like maybe a blacksmith in the region could have changed the helmet, like maybe made those different in every game. But man, is that a sick armor set. Wow, I'm impressed and jealous. Yeah, I like uh, the Daedric armor from Morrowind too. Um, Oblivion, it was, it looked good. And Skyrim, it looks awesome. I mean, they all look awesome, but I would say the Daedric armor from Morrowind takes the cake because you can change uh, the helmet to three different, and then you have the tower shield. You know, you got little demon faces on your like uh, all across your armor. So, like, if we had a high resolution of... Because I, I look at the mods on uh, Skyrim, and it's just... It doesn't feel the same. It needs yeah. like a really good retexture. I also just looked that up, because you have been talking about it recently. So, <laughs> we did, I did just Google that as well, and I can confirm. Uh, obviously, whoever they did, they had as an artist, a conceptual artist for that game, really knew what they were doing with the armor sets. The Daedric armor looks incredible. Each three helmets are extremely unique, and I don't know why they stopped that. I will say, though, after seeing it, I personally got to go with uh, Sky Skyrim's Daedric armor. So I, I really love that helmet. I can't, I can't let that thing down. But I don't really see how modders could bring this back, like you were saying. I don't see how they can really bring that back to uh, its original form in yeah. a HD environment. And for my favorite weapon, it would probably be the Ebony Blade uh, from Mafala. Because, uh, you know, betraying your loved ones to gain strength. <laughs> Gotta love our Daedric Lords. It yep. great lore behind it. Yeah, it does. All right. I, I agree. Daedric Armor from Skyrim is probably my favorite. It's... Uh... I like the sleekness of the body of the Daedric Armor from Morrowind. Just took a look at it. Um, but like I said, Ryan, that helmet for Daedric in Skyrim, it, it looks amazing. Like if they could incorporate the Morrowind armor and colors to the Skyrim helmet, I think you wouldn't ever need a better piece of armor. I would say real quick, a runner-up before we continue is the Dragon Scale armor that they added in the uh, Skyrim DLC. Uh, I was kind of disappointed when the game came out and you couldn't make armors for... Or no, you could make armors. I'm sorry. Mm -hmm. It was the weapons, the Dragonbone weapons that came out, which are also super badass if you guys have never seen those. But yeah, the Dragon Scale armor, I would say, is a runner-up. Besides the helmet, 
it was kind of everything I would have wanted from killing a dragon and then literally making armor out of it. So, uh, congrats, Todd Howard. You did it again, sir. So, this next one's tough. And I'm pretty sure everyone's going to have a different answer. And I kind of already give, gave mine, so I'm going to go ahead and say it again. What is the best DLC ever released in the Elder Scrolls series? I'd say hands down, horse armor fucking takes the cake. Uh, all of you can suck it. It's I will, OG. I will easily spend another fucking five bucks for some stupid ass digital armor. Uh, joking aside, I still got to give it to Shivering Isles, but to not be boring, I will take that out of the equation since I've already talked about it too much. And it was actually the Battlehorn Castle for Oblivion. It is a expansive. It essentially makes you the lord of a castle, and it's like a player home, so to speak. But as I just said, you get your own castle, you get your own blacksmith. There's actually a mini quest inside that castle where if you find a secret room, you get, um, it's called Dragon Something. It's the Lord's sword. It's uh, hidden away. And I actually didn't learn about that sword for probably three years. Uh, I don't. I don't remember the name of the sword. Probably told you it. <laughs> uh, I would like to clarify that yes, Alex is almost a hundred percent the person that told me about the secret passage, which <laughs> led you down this quest. But the the castle also gave you a follower who is one of the knights for the castle, and you know, once again, we're talking about how these games really immerse you into feeling like you're just in this world, like no, like way better than our lives, right? So. To be a essentially king of a castle from a DLC that gave you like all the resources you can need, uh, you know, for smithing, which is one of my favorite things to do in those games. Honestly, it surprised me just to get, like uh, Shivering Isles. Like I just didn't really expect this from a. I think that one was a four dollar expansion, or five, but I'm pretty sure it was cheaper than the horse armor. <laughs> um, <laughs> So yeah, I uh, just would like to close on that for DLC for me. Uh, Battlehorn Castle, if you guys have never played it or uh, you know got it on Oblivion, I still recommend it. It's worth your money. Go back, buy it, and then thank me later. Uh, yeah, take it away, guys. I'll let you go, Brandon. Hmm. We're finding out today, everyone, how much Brandon either doesn't remember Skyrim or he actually maybe didn't play it as much as I thought. I played it a lot. It's just when it came to the DLC, I played vanilla a lot. When it came to the DLC, I didn't really delve into like crazy. Um, I played a lot of. Oh, well, real quick in your the defense, while you're thinking, it, yeah. the first one is Hearthstone. So they didn't release. Actually, no, the first one is Dawnguard. Yeah, it's Dawnguard. Mm. The vampires in Ariel's bow. Well, then excuse me. Hearthfire, I believe. It was. Did they say Hearthstone? Yeah, you did. It was it was on guard. <laughs> Fuck you, Blizzard. It was in the middle, right? And then it was Yeah, and then yeah. it was uh Dragonborn. Yeah, thank you. Jesus. Dragon, yep. We're so not We all haven't buddy. played Skyrim. You have to fight Mirak. Hermes yeah. Mora. <laughs> oh, dude, Hermes Mora. I don't like that, dude. I'm sorry, Brandon, go ahead. Very good, man. Um I'd say I'd say definitely Dawn Guard because it's the one I played through and through um you know the weapons you got from it were really sick uh i loved ariel's bow do you, fun. do you remember the terrain that it took to to finish that quest and go get ariel's bell 
where you're like in this massive snow capped mountain. Like, I don't even know how to explain it, but the area that you go to to get Ariel's bow, like, kind of like Shivering Isles, it blew my mind away. I was like, oh, they added this into the game. That's pretty cool. I honestly don't remember the process of getting Ariel's bow. I just remember firing it into the sun a couple times, but, uh,. Uh, well, I'm the casual Don- gamer in this cast in this yeah. episode. Dude, well, you are, Don- bro. Dondard. Holy uh, shit. It's like making me want to go back and play though. Like I have never been more motivated to try out Oblivion again and Morrowind. And I I would say since you haven't been playing Fallout 76, which even though the game sucks, it's mechanic or the gameplay is extremely fluid, go back. Go back and play Skyrim. Uh, if you are really risky, go back and play Oblivion at the least. Uh mm. it's it it definitely seems like there's a little bit you haven't or you've forgotten about. I would go back to it. Yeah. I think it's worth your time, dude. But it's okay. There's so many topics we're going to be going over yeah. as the show goes on. You know, if you, if we do a Blizzard podcast, I mean, besides talking shit, I really don't know anything about them. I know their games. I know I hate them all. And that's pretty much it. So, you know what? It's okay. You're not going to be the most knowledgeable person. No, well, I can't even talk. Knowledgeable no, well, person. Blah, blah, blah. <laughs> I was thinking of M Night Shyamalan as I was saying that, and I got confused. M Night Shyamalan. <laughs> yeah, no, I, I got you, dude. Um, but honestly, yeah, I feel like Dawn Guard was a really fun expansion. I did like Hearthstone, however, similar to um, the Castle DLC from uh, Oblivion. What? It's that? it's Hearthfire. Hearth. The reason why I was saying Hearthstone is because I was combining Hearthstone and uh, Hearthfire, and I didn't realize it. And that's why you got Blizzard on the brain. Yeah. Next yeah. episode, guys. Um, yeah. Heart Hearthstone or shit. <laughs> <laughs> and it took us thirty minutes to go off the rails. Good job, guys. Hearthfire. 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 I thought Hearthfire was cool because I could live out my fantasies of living in a, uh, um, you know. Uh, Fantasy? No. I, hold on. God. No. I'm... <laughs> well, while he's muted. Yeah. While 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 Brandon's muted, real quick. <laughs> Sorry, guys. We're having some technical difficulties. Alex, take it away, real quick. What is your favorite DLC and why? Uh, probably Shivering Isles, seeing Shogolrath, and uh, having to fight the big bad, uh, and then. Uh, spoilers, but you become Sheo Golrath. Uh, it's pretty well known. Uh, you become Prince of Madness. I kind of uh, forgot about that. Yeah. That's why he's not having a beard in Skyrim. Why? Because in Oblivion you couldn't have beards. And in Oblivion, Sheo Golrath had a beard. And then in Skyrim, Sheo Golrath doesn't have a beard. I forgot about all of that. Yeah, and plus you become Shogoroth at the end. Yeah, so everybody, Brandon's back. So one of the things Brandon was bringing up before he had some technical difficulties is that in uh, Hearthfire, you basically get to live a full-fledged fantasy life. I mean, I remember uh, marrying Ayla the Huntress. What was her name? Yeah. Ayla, yeah. I had two kids that I adopted. I tried killing them. I couldn't. But you know what? It was pretty you live, badass. You can live out your wildest fantasies of having a happy home and wife who loves you. Yeah. I think they <laughs> should have allowed you to make like a sadistic dungeon, like a Dark Brotherhood, 
more like a companion themed uh, house. Elder Scrolls Six, dude, they should uh, most definitely include like a guild management. You know, where if you gain an affinity with the guild, like you go through the quest line, you end up being the curator, if you will, or the guild leader. Mm-hmm. You could send out, you know, people you recruit. It'd be like settlements, kind of. Oh, no. Got word from settlement. Needs your help. Got word from settlement. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I fucking hate Fallout 4, dude. I'll yeah. mark that out on your map for you. gg bro all right so one of the things that i wanted to bring up was the decline of mechanics and rpg elements we kind of touched on it a bit but when it came to skyrim they really just kind of went the mass effect 3 route alex why do you think they decided to essentially cut so much of what people loved with elder scrolls when it came to the rpg elements you know the skill trees the addition of skills, they instead of keeping them, they literally got rid of them. They pulled a full Pokemon on us. They said, hey, you're going to give you great things, and then fuck you, we're going to take them away. Why do you think they did that? Uh, to make the game more accessible to newer players. It's the easiest way. It's a good selling point. You know, make it simpler. You know, not everybody's going to sit down and, uh, like, play D&D and read through the entire book and say... Uh, you know, they just want to be there. They want to play the game, and you know, this is for the overall worker or school um, student. You know, coming home, they just want to sit down and kill some monsters. So they don't want to have complex math and you know, why your character like in Morrowind and Oblivion and Daggerfall. Yeah, well, with games like Witcher Three, where they are extremely expansive and they do have those RPG elements that really would go on a D&D level if you really wanted to go there. Would you say that even though that game is extremely successful, that that's kind of a cop-out from Bethesda? Or were they just thinking about all the money you think, you know, in their mind, you think, eh, how deep can our pockets get with this game? Let's not make it too hard. Well, I mean, not really. I mean, they had an envision and they wanted to try something new. And they're going the same route with Fallout. They took out all the skills and attributes. Um, And it just feels like endless leveling. Like, you had a cap, unless you know how to break the game, like in Morrowind and Oblivion. Uh, You had a cap, and that was your character. That's what made those games great. Skyrim, it just feels like a chore. If 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 you're sent on a loop of endless leveling, you're just going to, you know, play... Until you get sick of it, obviously, but if you just keep playing and keep playing, it's what is the end goal? It's like you said, Alex, uh, you know, in Oblivion, you reach your level cap, and then that's your character. That is defined as your character. But in Skyrim, it's, you know, you should always be improving, absolutely. But if you're already an absolute god at, you know, in the world of Skyrim, and you're one shotting people with, you're one shotting dragons with a sneak attack from a dagger as jumping off cliff where's the challenge and i feel like with skyrim that's definitely where i kind of fell off to was the fact that i became so overpowered so over quick so over quickly jesus christ overpowered so quickly i'm drunk uh overpowered so quickly that the game just really lost its luster for me we can confirm he is drunk everybody I'm blitzed but yeah i i agree i think bethesda definitely wanted skyrim to be more accessible to you know, fans of the fantasy fantasy genre who 
you know, maybe got overwhelmed with Oblivion and some of his RPG mechanics. Um, you know, a lot of people are getting into D&D nowadays. It's becoming a lot more popular. But um, I feel like Skyrim was the first breakthrough of, like, I don't really want to say casual fantasy gaming, but it definitely it had that vibe to it. And it, it let a lot more players in at the expense of, you know, the more hardcore group. And that's, a, and that's how it's always going to be with video games nowadays. It's the hardcore versus casual. How dare you talk about me like that, Brandon? I am out of it, and I will kill you. That is true. Go fuck you. Go fuck you. Yeah. So you make a really good point, though, that Skyrim essentially is the beginning of easy mode. Oh, there's the real Alduin right there, ladies and gentlemen. You cannot see. We are on a video, but Alex is showing his collector statue from the original release, which Thank actually you, looks pretty dope. Oh yeah. Thanks, Jared. I forgot he sent that to you. Mm -hmm. uh, GG, Jarrett. So I never really thought about that before, Brandon, that Skyrim was like the first game of a franchise where like Morrowind is not easy unless you're Alex and you know what the hell you're doing. But Oblivion wasn't really that easy for me either at first. I had to really like figure it out. Skyrim, no issue. Sure, if I put it on Legendary, it's going to be difficult, you know, if I don't have the right gear or, you know, skill set. Sure. But from the get-go, that game never feels hard. It's It almost feels like, in terms of difficulty, like you're just on a roller coaster where it's just like, all right, I'm just going to just, you know, I'm just going to chill here. They're going to do everything for me. So good job. You made a really good point, man. I seriously haven't thought about that before. It, you know, it is what it is. So before we, you know, stop with the whole – oh, Alex, go ahead. I got one more thing. So, like – uh, what they could do in like Elder Scrolls 6, what they failed to do in, uh, I'd say, Morrowind, Oblivion, and Skyrim. Uh, when you increase the difficulty, um, it shouldn't lower your uh, damage output, and uh, the enemies shouldn't have a higher damage threshold. They should still, you know, maybe give them a small buff boost. But me hitting a monster on Legendary 300 times just to kill it... Uh, shouldn't be that way it should just be you know if he hits you it's you know you're dead i shouldn't have to hack away for 10 minutes just to kill one monster and hope he doesn't heal right you know brandon one of the things brandon was saying is that you could make your character to where you get that you know you could be one shot with an arrow could be one uh stab with a dagger and you will kill something but you have to work your way towards that where in skyrim you feel like you have that right away and one of the things, you know, you guys talked about is that even in the, you know, the Fallout games, they kind of, you know, like Alex, you said they got rid of the skills pretty much in like Fallout 4 to where it wasn't nearly as important as it used to be. Mm -hmm. Well, Fallout 76 did that, you know, even more so, you know, uh, on this playthrough I'm on, I have a melee slash ranger character. And with my melee weapons, I can walk up to a Deathclaw, not even invisible, and beat the shit out of it. <laughs> like, the, like that game is so easy for me now with a just like one melee weapon I got at level thirty five. It's like, what the what am I doing here? That's actually why I don't play it anymore. Is because like I I'm overpowered. Like nothing in the game is hard. The Scorch Beast Queen, sure, yeah, you know it's an end game level boss, but it's only because she's a fucking massive sponge. And oh, Doom Slayer. Alex is holding up his Doom Slayer mask. Uh, you know. Uh, 
They never cared until I put on the mask. Batman! Um, yeah, so there's definitely been a, uh, you know, a sense of laziness, I would say, with Bethesda games that as they were trying to gain a bigger audience, they've also lost their touch with the hardcore audience. In my personal opinion, they would have easily made the sales they did with Skyrim if they just kept most of the RPG elements they implemented with Oblivion and even Morrowind. You know, when that game was released, the entire world was about it. I mean, you saw Gamer Poop, where they did sketches on Skyrim. You saw, uh, you know, uh, arena battles that someone modded in that, you know, Machinima used to host. Like, the level of coverage this game had... Uh, you know, I feel like they could have made it a lot harder. Like it would have still had that grand audience, and even till this day, I still think you'd have the you know the, the mass amount of fans who are waiting for God Howard to release it once more. And that leads me to my next question: Is do you guys think we will see Skyrim again on a unannounced platform yet? Even the phones, Tesla cars. Like this is a legitimate question I have for you because. As much as us and the internet fucks around, I don't see it as an impossibility. Like, I could see it happening. I see it on next-gen consoles, but that's about it. Um, so nothing well, ridiculous. I was about to say Stadia, but... Yeah. Well, Stadia is a dumpster fire. We have ESO on Stadia, but I don't believe there's Skyrim on Stadia. So there is Uncharted Territory. Wait, they do have ESO on Stadia? Okay. Well, real quick, since that was pretty quick, and it, it was, it was meant to be quick. I mean, let's be honest. Skyrim's going to come out again, everybody. Get your fucking wallets ready. We need to keep supporting this game. I never want to see it die. I will buy this shit every time it comes out if I have the platform. I'm not joking. I just want Elder Scrolls 6. Oh, yeah. Launch title, Elder Scrolls 6, with the, I doubt it. I mean, they would have showed it by now, but we're showing it by now. But um, honestly, I think at least a year into the next-gen consoles, uh, we should see Elder Scrolls Six at least. Well, uh, before we crush your dreams on Elder Scrolls Six, we're gonna come back. We're gonna come back. <laughs> yeah, we're gonna come back to that in a second because there's one more part of the Elder Scrolls series that I want to talk about before we move on to the future, and that is Elder Scrolls Online. Uh, Brandon, you actually did play this game at launch. You played it for a decent amount, and you were one of the first people out of our friend group to actually experience it on PC. What were your What was your takeaway from your first experience with the game? I'm gonna be honest, man. I don't have a whole lot of uh, experience with MMOs. Um, I never played WoW. I think the most MMO I played was probably Destiny, and that's not MMO at all. Um, so that being said, ESO was definitely my first delve into uh, MMO type games, and I'm telling you, man, the launch of ESO was rough, and it left a bad taste in my mouth. Even with playing on uh, the PC, yeah, it had improvements that obviously the consoles, you know, couldn't compete with: faster load times, better graphics, etc. But um, just uh, you know, with how full the game was it just still felt kind of empty and it made me not kind of care about what was going on that's just me personally um i know you guys still fired up eso 
like to this day. So playing at launch, oh no. Yeah, I launched a little bit of bad taste in my mouth and I kept trying. I kept coming back, dude. I was like, I'll give it another shot because my boys. Mm. I just couldn't, man. Like I just it it um it uh wasn't for me. If I really wanted the Elder Scrolls experience, like yeah, you can hop in with your with your buddies and you can you know there was no separation by level for dungeons which i thought was really cool um but it wasn't the experience for me yeah you know elder scrolls online it's a different beast as a whole when it comes to you know zenimax and bethesda releasing games you know because eso is mainly ran by zenimax studios i just think you know there's a lot they did right and you touched on it real quick was the dungeons how if alex is so and so level we're still going to get the same you know loot uh, tiered loot for our levels uh, the enemies will be scaled uh, in an appropriate way they definitely nailed that but like you said the world felt empty you know for me the the textures the character design uh, it looked like dog shit I, I i really till this day i cannot stand the way that game looks um, it did provide a great console MMO experience. You know, uh, I didn't play it on PC at launch. I played it on PC a little bit afterwards. Uh, not much, just to get some Darth Sidious uh, clips in. But other than that, I, uh, I, I played it a lot on console. Uh, after I played it, when it released, they released an update called One Tamriel. So it allowed your friends who chose the chose the different factions to finally play with you. Because if you don't remember, Brandon, when you played the game, if I was Ebonheart Pact and you were Aldemary Dominion, we literally, right. if I'm correct, Alex, correct me if I'm wrong, we couldn't play together. Yeah, no, it. they nope. took the factions and, yeah. Just like the Alliance and Horde and uh, World of Warcraft. Yeah, and at least that's a little, you know... That's more believable, right? That's more believable because well, it's, it's just two sides. Whereas here in ESO, you have three. So it's like, oh, you can't pick one or the other. It's you pick all, you pick, you know, um, shit. What is it? Daggerfall Pact? Mm-hmm. Daggerfall yes. Covenant. Yeah, yeah Daggerfall, Daggerfall Covenant, Covenant Aldermary Dominion, and Then Alex picked Ebonheart. It's like, well, that's a, that's a three way of fucking not playing together. Yeah, you know, so they definitely added a lot of great things, and they clearly updated the game a lot, you know, with one Tamriel, all the expansions they released. Uh, you know, ESO Plus is $15 a month, or, and you get $15 worth of currency back every month. You get the unlimited uh, storage bag, or, um, sorry, junk bag. Uh, you get, uh, go ahead, Alex. Uh, what is that? The crafting bag. That's what I'm sorry, is. the crafting bag. You get exclusive deals on premium items. Every MMO has them. So they definitely did a lot right. But one of the reasons why I had you go first, Brandon, is, you know, I can only speak for Alex a little bit, but the reason why we stopped playing the game as of today, you know, a year ago, I think, is that some of the issues they had at launch somehow found their way back. I don't know what update caused it, but the game has terrible loading issues. The audio is fucked, dude. You know, people were talking about Holy how shit. Halo on MCC had really bad audio, which it did. Imagine that for ESO after all the years it's been out. I don't know what they did. And to make matters worse, they haven't fixed it. They still haven't fixed it. Dude. So they're still releasing expansions. They brought back Skyrim 3.0 and they still haven't fixed the audio. You know, I just I really don't understand what they're doing, but 
you know, Alex is a diehard Bethesda fan. I wouldn't call him necessarily a fanboy because he's very realistic. But even he gave up on ESO, and we spent so much time on those games, you know, with the player homes, uh, the ESO Plus items that we have. We have a technically a lot of money into the game, and it still wasn't enough to keep us, you know, keep us playing. Yeah, we're basically throwing money at them, and they make still can't crowns. make it rain crowns. Thank you. That was what the currency is called. So they have issues that were there at launch again, and. The reason why I bring it up is because it kind of baffles me. It's like, how the how the hell did you do that? <laughs> I, how do you how do you fix a game with one Tamriel? Once again, I'm going to bring that up a lot because they really fixed the game with that shit, and then somehow revert all of the progress they made because they released you know Clockwork City, Somerset Isles, uh, Morrowind, a great expansion. They released so many expansions. They they were dude. They were killing it. Expansion after expansion, they were doing so good. Dungeons, too. They were starting to bring a lot of good dungeons. A little too long for my taste, but they were still fun to some extent. And then out of nowhere, an update came out, and some of the most basic things in gaming got bugged, and they still to this day haven't fixed it. But that's enough for me on Elder Scrolls Online. Uh, Before we move on, Alex, Elder Scrolls Online, what are your thoughts as a whole with all the experiences you had you know you played it on pc and we played it a lot on console we spent a lot of time trying to do white gold tower on veteran yeah i played the beta when it came out and it was uh hard for my laptop to run it at the time but it was fun uh i was glad when elder scrolls online was the reason second reason why i got an xbox uh first one was for mcc um but playing it, they horrible, horrible service. Uh, just like the lag, you can't even go into Cyrodiil half the time on the Xbox. I can't speak for PC anymore, um, but I'm sure if you have a good running PC, it works just fine. But with the Xbox processing and everything, it just it's too laggy. Even on your what Xbox X, it's horrible. Uh, yeah, so even with my Xbox One X, I still run into frame rate issues. They Thank you for bringing it up, by the way. They are dropping worse now than when I got... I think Morrowind was out and I had a One X. I, mm-hmm. I could be wrong. But the game, like I said, for a long period of time was killing it. Like We were playing all the events. We were doing all the dungeons every day. And we got frame rate drops, audio issues that make you never want to touch the game again, and then loading issues where you couldn't see anybody's character models. Mm-hmm. They were all just like these random placeholder figures. And uh, definitely finding a different word for that. I did good. <laughs> um, uh, the, worst, uh, <laughs> the worst one is they took away the horse mount glitch where you could spam your elk. Oh, yes. <laughs> You could uh, just keep on spamming the special emote your uh, your animal does. So I had the most annoying one, the elk. So you just hear elk stag just go. <laughs> uh, if I if I can find the audio clip, I will gladly post it. Everyone, uh, it is the funniest thing. And so while they're busy fixing bugs that were actually hilarious, they were not worrying about the ones that were game breaking and. I don't know, man. It's just kind of sad to see what happened to that game. We had so much fun with it. Uh, Just a lot of good times. The PvP, 
you know, we would have some nights where we just go on full on raids with God knows how many people. The whole lobby just annihilating each other was a lot of fun. So it's not the worst game ever made, but you fucked it up. <laughs> All <laughs> right, guys. fucked up. So we're going to talk about what everyone wants to hear. What, you know, we'll start with you, Alex. What do you want most from Elder Scrolls Six? Realistically, like, what do you think you can wish for? And it might actually be in the game. Mm, so Skyrim combat, besides magic, magic was dog shit in Skyrim. Um, they had to yes. bring back yes, it was. Um, spell making. Uh, you can't rely on the modders for that. Um, Morrowind quest, I'd say, like, where, like, any main character is killable. So, like, if you kill him, you fuck up the prophecy. That was great. Uh, like, you know, you can go over and kill Vivek and Morrowind, and, you know, I'd be like, hey, you screwed up this timeline. But joking. You go find right. the last dwarf. But it has a consequence because you get a negative 200 debuff when you equip Wraithguard. Uh, if uh, the last dwarf fixes up Wraithguard. Uh, but questing from. I'd say Daggerfall and Morrowind, um, kind of faction quests from Oblivion, um, and make more quests, uh, and you can put it in between the repeatable quests, but I think Skyrim had too many repeatable quests. I get that's like, you know, feels like a job, but, you know, you gotta have like special, uh, memories. Like I remember basically all the quests from the Dark Brotherhood in Oblivion, but can't really remember any from Skyrim besides killing the Emperor. Yeah. That's I mean true. it's 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 like you uh it's like you mentioned it's just an endless grind of chores mm-hmm. that you're doing. And um even though the quests in the older games might be finite, they still made the best memories. I'll take memorable quests Albeit a limited amount, then another settlement needs your help, and just shit that you just keep doing over and over again. Repetition is going to be the you know, it creates endless gameplay loop, but repetition is going to be like the death of a lot of people's interest in video games. So, yeah. yeah. Oh, uh, oh, go ahead. I ain't finished yet. Uh, I like to see them bring back attributes and skills. Um, I don't think sick. they will. Um, because like I said earlier, it defines your character, you know, everybody has flaws, but in, uh, Skyrim and like Fallout 4, you don't really have any, uh, but yeah, bring back skilling from Daggerfall and Morrowind, uh, the magic system from Morrowind, but, you know, making a giant magnitude, uh, death bomb of shock, uh, frost and fire raining down from, Balamora while you're levitating. Uh, yeah, just, that's what I like to see in Elder Scrolls 6. Skyrim 2. Yeah. <laughs> Skyrim so, 2. The squeakquel. Yeah. Uh, I think for Skyrim 2, I would love more <laughs> Skyrim. If I can have nothing but Skyrim and Todd Howard telling me, you see those mountains over there? You can go there. There's gold in them hills. It just works. No, honestly... Uh, one of the things you said was, you know, when you killed Vivek, it changes the timeline. And one of the 
biggest gripes I would say I have with Elder Scrolls as an entire franchise, it's not just Skyrim, is that you are the main character. You are the one saving the world, doing these crazy quests, you know, accomplishing things that the NPCs that are utterly useless can't complete. I kind of felt like my action, I feel like my actions should be more acknowledged or you feel like a, a sense of accomplishment. Uh, you know, one of the things Brandon said in our first episode is when you're playing Pokemon and you're about to catch a legendary, your character is literally staring at it like a stale bozo. And honestly, Elder Scrolls is kind of the same, even Fallout until Fallout 4. Sort of, even still kind of stupid. Uh, <laughs> Alex is hitting us with some real facial animations right now. He actually might have been the mocap guy for Fallout 4. But I feel like if I am saving the world from a, a world-eating dragon, it should probably actually feel like that too, and it never really did in Skyrim. I think it did when you're in Sovereign Guard, and you might have talked to Jarl, one of the Jarls after that, and then like, oh, cool, thanks for what you did. Go fuck yourself. You know, like, I don't like that in video games, and I feel like Elder Scrolls or just Bethesda as a whole with the you know Fallout and Elder Scrolls games has a really bad rep for that and i think that they need to fix that uh i don't know if it's possible alex so you can correct me if i'm wrong but i want to see dragons again it's not possible according to alex but i still want to see dragons no they'll probably add it i not i mean they the did same... it in elsewhere oh <laughs> damn it's raw, bro yeah you have phones it's <laughs> a right? good selling point for this game um People i would like to put more dragons in if it can somehow make a way in and not be utterly ridiculous, I miss dragons already. I want to see <laughs> dragons <again>. and cats. <laughs> what a yeah. great expansion! Tight <laughs> if they did like, you know, um, <laughs> fossils essentially, like digging quests. You know, you go into a mine or you find an area that has dragon bones, and you can make the armor without necessarily adding dragons. They could do that too, but I don't know, like. You know, they should add the arena again. I don't know if there's an arena in the next region they are going to have the game take place. But if they can add an arena that's on the scope of, you know, Oblivions, that'd be great. I'd love to have that back. Maybe instead of having player homes be set to one certain area, you can somewhat go the Fallout route and kind of let us make a house wherever we want. Alex is shaking his head no because for some reason Bethesda thought it was smart to entirely focus on that with their stupid-ass Fallout 4 game. <laughs> I just... See, a part of me has a lot of hope that Bethesda is going to fix shit, but I don't know. I'm I'm excited for Elder Scrolls 5, 6, 7, Skyrim, but you know what? Until Skyrim we really... Too. Yeah, until it's we great. really see more, it's wishful thinking... Uh, you know, at this point, if if there was a perfect world, I would make Elder Scrolls Six with Morrowind. Or I'm sorry, yeah, Morrowind, Cyrodiil, and Skyrim. I just, you know what? Just go back to all three regions. Make sure there's no loading screens as you literally walk your way across each region. Even though, as I say this, they're not all connected at all like that. And you know, this is the Elsewhere <laughs> expansion over here. Uh, we are currently seeing live-action Elsewhere gameplay. Uh, Alex's cat is murdering a dragon from Elsewhere right now. It's pretty <laughs> intense, everybody. Uh, on it, I mean, 
Alex, you kind of touched on it. Skyrim combat, if they can bring that back, but make it more realistic and continue to focus on that. You know, I felt like archery in Skyrim was really well done. Maybe not so much the melee weapons. Uh, you are 100% correct. Magic is really, really bad in Skyrim. It's not worth using. The ultimate spells are fucking stupid. You know. Uh, took out some skill trees, too. And I would like to see them. I'd like to see them bring back uh, spears and um, actual, like, axe, blunt, and sword skill trees instead of just one hand and two hand. Dude, honestly, every time I hear you talk about Skyrim, I forget how much they cut, you know, and just minimize the game. God damn you, Todd Howard. <laughs> uh, but before I hand it over to Brandon, as long as I can get dungeons with loot boxes and microtransactions in my Elder Scrolls and 6 horse and horse armor, that's all I really <laughs> want, everybody. I want elders. I want horse armor that costs 100 bucks, and then I will be happy. So Bethesda, I have one wish. Make me pay 100 bucks. For horse armor, Brandon. Just want, just want the ultimate flex. Honestly. Elder Scrolls Six. What do you, what, do, what do you want from it? You know, seeing how Skyrim was the last one you played. Mm. It, you know, obviously, like we've been saying this whole episode, it's improved on a lot, but also had a lot of setbacks. Is there anything in particular that you wish that game had that Elder Scrolls Six may have for you? I mean, I definitely would love the um, certain mechanics from Skyrim and the mechanics from Oblivion to kind of meld into one. I, I like the accessibility of Skyrim. However, I would like the um, deep skill trees and attributes from Oblivion to make their way into Elder Scrolls Six. We had Skyrim as a good entry point for a lot of casual fans. However, now that we basically have them, or, oh, uh, shit, Bethesda has them, and they are familiar with the game, now I feel like it'd be a smart play to go into a more deep role-playing experience with elder scrolls 6 right i just want a deep meaningful story with you know memorable side quests and um you know i think a thing with a lot of games now is like there's endless replayability we don't need the endless replayability just make it memorable because those memories are going to make me want to go back and play it a different way instead of me making my sixth archer for the sixth time and just using a bow and arrow for the whole entire game, you know? Yeah, yeah no, it's definitely quality over quantity. Uh, something Bethesda completely forgot about when they made Fallout 4. That game is nothing but quantity. It's not about quality. Yeah. With a dog shit main quest, dog shit factions. Um, I really... <laughs> I really... Like, I liked Fallout 4 when it came out because, you know, it had Sprint and it had... It was, new, it was the it, new hotness, man. It was the new hotness, but honestly, like looking back at it, that game fucking sucks so bad, and <laughs> like yeah, a little bit. <laughs> and well, see, here's the thing, you know, and this still goes back to Elder Scrolls Six. Is I hope they learned from Fallout Four because the expansions in Fallout Four were fucking stupid. Automatron was terrible. Contraptions shouldn't have been. It should have been an update. Uh, Far Harbor, not bad, not good, not bad. It was the better of, of most of them. Well, Nuka World was fucking dumb, dude. I really, <laughs> like, who the fuck thought that was what we needed? And I hope they look back at the negative reviews that it got and go, let's bring the Shivering Isles type of expansions back. I will give them my money. Like, it's not an issue. I don't care. 
just give me quality. Like you're saying, Brennan, these repeatable quests they do, they're just fucking stupid. Like, I don't give a shit if a settlement is under attack, Preston Garvey. Eat a dick. So I just hope with Elder Scrolls Six that if it's like Skyrim, fine, whatever. I'll deal with it. But if we can get at least like 20% more quality than the previous games they've been making, I'll be happy. Because I feel like at this point, you know, Bethesda's track record right now ain't looking too good. You know, Elder Scrolls... They're a bad rap, for sure. They are. You know, like Elder Scrolls Blades is fucking stupid. I don't... Like, I played it on my Switch when it came out, just because why not, right? I already made a character on the mobile version. It is the first game I've ever played on my Switch that literally broke my switch like it literally said i you can't play the game you suck haha and they released uh elder scrolls what's the card game oh legends, legends. not bad but a hundred percent not good <laughs> <laughs> right yeah, no, i agree man it's like they they took elder scrolls and they um you know they we'll cover this in the blizzard episode but they blizzard it they took it and they made a card game out of it they took it and they made you know a mobile game out of it i mean we were even seeing in pokemon 10 cents making a poke pokemoba you know it's taking you know obviously elder scrolls but also other you know memorable game franchises and making them um i don't want to say bastardized but whoring them out to other forms of games which is which is 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 a good thing because you see some characters and worlds you like in different forms of video games, but it's also like give new shit. But if it ain't broke, don't fix it. I don't. Well, I would say real quick, Alex. Don't worry, I'll be quick. I would say that Bethesda, when it comes to Elder Scrolls and Fallout, went the Disney route, went the Pokemon route, where they have these amazing franchises. Right? You really. Yeah. The, the us fans aren't asking for anything that you haven't done before, right? So why would you make Blades? Why would you make Legends? No one fucking wanted a stupid Elder Scrolls card game. Go the Witcher route. CD Projekt Red said, you know what? We want to make a card game. Let's just fucking put it in our main game. Like Gwent, mm-hmm. from what I've heard from reviews and people that pl- have played it, like Jarrett, Gwent is still better inside Witcher 3 than the actual standalone game they decided to make. So why couldn't Legends find its way into Elder Scrolls Six, uh, which we would have had by now, if they didn't waste their money on Blades and God knows what else that we have? Because I'm fucking forgetting. Well, they well New Vegas made a card game, and that was Caravan. Yes. Oh my God! That piece of shit. (laughs) I I actually never did anything with it, but you are correct. Yes, there was the trading card game. I forgot about that. Yeah, but that was Obsidian. They were rushed the whole time, so I don't and, I don't blame them. And they still made a better Fallout game than Bethesda. Yes, they did. Oh, uh, Fallout 4, before, I just wanted to add this. Fallout 4 was the alpha for Fallout 76. <laughs> and they just uh, took a flaming pile of dog poo and just uh, threw it at the storyboard, too. Yes. Ship well, it. Ship it. Well, I have a question for you. So I guess we can touch on Fallout if you guys don't mind. Did you feel like Fallout 4's uh, main quest started out pretty okay? Like it felt good. This dude just got his his wife just got fucking murdered in front of him. His baby got stolen. You know, he was in the cryo chamber. So like the baby's still going to be able to survive with his captors. 
it started off really well. I was pretty impressed, but my God, what the conclusion to that final quest, you know, the, the final part of the main quest was the payoff was like, honestly, it felt like a fuck you from Todd Howard personally and Pete Hines. Fuck that bitch. Yeah. Well, like, I'm, I'm just kidding. So, Pete. I think, uh, the main quest ended when you killed, uh, Oh, was the guy who killed the guy oh, or dude. your wife? Um, something oh, with sure. H. It's like Horus or something like that. Horus? Fuck, I'll, I'll find it. Hubert. Keep talking. Well, anyways, I, I felt like the main quest died there, and then <clears throat> it's just determining which genocidal maniac you want to help kill the other factions. <laughs> yeah. Uh, and then, like you know, when you're talking to the father in the institute and he's dying, he's like, "Shut." Or, uh, father, I have cancer. And you're like, Sean! No! And he's like, I have a master plan, but I'm not going to tell you. <laughs> <laughs> he's like, I don't have time. It's like, okay. <laughs> I just, I just, I just, I, I think on my first playthrough, I just, I just, was like, yep. Mash an A button? Uh, yeah, I don't care about you, Mash an A button, and then as soon as the dialogue ended, I just blasted him. Call me sadistic. Yeah. No, I just didn't really. I, I like Fallout 4 mechanics and everything. Like the gunplay and the modding were really cool. Um, it's just, I feel like they shouldn't have done the main uh, protagonist voiced. I really uh, like that. I, I didn't. I, I liked it too because it. You know, for so long, we were the silent protagonist, you know, and we just had to take the text boxes and interpret them on our own. And the fact that we had more emotion, you know, as the as the character, you know, and, and putting a voice to it, you know, the silent protag has been a thing for a long, very long time. So actually getting your voice was um, I actually enjoyed it. I felt they could have done better, though. I they definitely could have done better with the voice acting, but you know I don't I definitely don't speak for probably anybody on this, but I fucking hate silent protagonists. Where in a real life situation is this dude who's saving the world never gonna say a word besides a text box? Like I get it, that was the original RPGs, you know, text based RPGs on uh, PC. That's how they but, started. But it's your it's your voice. But it's not, though, because I'm not sitting there going, well, today I saved this settlement, Preston Garvey. You know, like, I don't know, like. <laughs> well, you got to think of it, like, in terms of, like, uh, Dungeons and & Dragons and uh, other tabletop role-playing games. You know, you're not, I mean, you can sit there and talk in your normal voice or, you know, dwarf and, hey, I would like a ale, <laughs> you know. Yeah, that's very true. No, you make a good point. I hate you, but it's easy. But that's easy to do in a game of D anD D because you're with people. You are, you know, involved in the story that somebody's telling, and you're all in character. But what if I'm sitting at home playing, you know, Skyrim or Oblivion that I just literally downloaded on Steam? Um, I'm not going to sit there and talk to my screen like, oh, yes, I said this. It's well, be I mean, it's called a, a imagination, you know, SpongeBob. I don't have any no. of that left. <laughs> and I get it. You know, it's it's the genre we're talking about. It's a role-playing game. Yeah. I just, I still prefer 
a voice character. Like, and I think the reason why I'm so big on that is I, I truly have always hated the silent protagonist. Although, Alex, you make a great point. If you play D&D, you're not a silent protagonist. You are making up your character. You know, you're giving them a voice. So you technically could have done that for yourself in Skyrim and Oblivion. But with Mass Effect, they they took voice acting to like a whole new level, man. And that, you know, what you did with that game and the, the scope and the depth of all of those verbal interactions made me go like, why didn't Oblivion have this? Why doesn't Fallout have this? Well, it's like two separate games. I mean, you're playing Shepard. You know, I'm not playing... Uh, I'm playing, you know, Bob420, you know, who talks in like a Bob Marley voice. Like, yeah, man, I'll go slay Alduin. Righteous. <laughs> That's true. Far out, brother. <laughs> yeah, so you're playing, you're playing your character, you know, uh, in the Mass Effect series and uh, the Witcher series, you know, you're playing Geralt or uh, Shepard. But like in Fallout, you know, they might as well just given the guy a name and, you know, immersed it even more uh, by having all the your companions and characters calling him by, you know, Bob or whatever. Um, Cause it's not really your voice. It's his, I mean, I get it like uh, through the, other uh fallout and elder scrolls games it's you know you're reading the text but there's a lot more um i'd say um would you say that there's more depth to yeah yeah text-based conversations you're having they do allow them to uh have those expansive you know conversations that really uh drive the story further so no, you make a good point. Um, there's definitely two sides to that street, but the the main thing you said that I didn't take into account is, yeah, you're playing as Shepard. So no matter what, you're playing as a set character. You can name their first name, whatever you want. But it was able to voice act a character who everyone knows as Commander Shepard, not Bob420 Commander, you know? Yeah. So, no, you're good. That, that makes a good point. Um, any final thoughts on... Elder Scrolls 6, what you want, what the previous games have made you hate before we move on to a game I don't think should even come out. Oh, uh, any, do you guys, uh, where do you guys think the location's gonna be? Oh, uh, hmm. What province? Daggerfall? Mm, I don't think so. Um, sounds cocky, but, uh, I think it would be no, probably it does, it the Somerset Isles and Aradon because um, we saw so much build up with the Thalmor in Skyrim. Um, you know, they they basically had uh, the Empire by its nuts. Um, yep. So there I definitely was a lot of build up there. You're right. Mm-hmm. Um, and while you brought that up, it still brought me to one more thing. I wish that Elder Scrolls would do. <laughs> Uh, sorry guys, I guess we can't move on to the game that shouldn't probably even exist. Um, Daedric horse armor. <laughs> no, yeah. So alongside Daedric <laughs> and dragon horse armor, I really hate that. Why is it so dark? I like, I'm looking at my picture and it's dark as hell, dude. Um, I really don't like that. This is such a personal gripe that your character from a previous game, like that's it. Like you don't hear anything about them. You don't hear what happened to them, maybe. 
like a book that's in the in-game world. Maybe an Elder Scrolls Six can talk on the Dragonborn, which you know is your character. That that is a defined character you play as. Uh, I kind of hate, you know, like uh, in Oblivion. I don't know what happened to my character afterwards. I, you know, yeah. Go ahead. Oblivion, you turn into Shogorath. And oh, because of Shivering Isles. Yeah, and Morrowind. Um, in Oblivion, they said the Neverine, which is uh, the main protagonist in Morrowind, uh, sails off to the distant lands of the Akaveri uh, to go explore. Ooh, Akaveri. Man. So, yeah, dude. The Thalmor, I would, I would definitely love for them to touch on that more. Maybe just murder them. You know, whatever. I really don't like them too much. Uh, you know, they're a bunch of scheming cunts. So, you know what? Uh, that's a really good point you made, though. It would make sense for them to continue to follow that storyline and maybe see, uh, sorry for the play on words, but the fallout from what happened with the Civil War. And it just works, guys. Come on. Um, to maybe see what happened after Skyrim with that, because they were meddling pretty bad into the Empire. So I'd like to see where that's at. Um, that would be a great location to go to. Uh, it's definitely different from Skyrim, so it's, it would be a nice change of pace. And that is it for Elder Scrolls for me. Brandon, anything else you'd like to touch on with Elder Scrolls Six? Anything you would want to see? Mechanics, DLC, loot boxes, uh, emotes, you know, any type of dances you want to see from Fortnite? Or microtransactions. Um, I think in terms of microtransactions, I think they... They're just, not going to do that. I'm just fucking with you. That's not going to happen. Yeah, no, no, no. But stick to DLC. You know, if it's not going to make it in the base game, go ahead and put it in form of DLC. Keep that model. Um, I doubt we're going to be seeing, you know, crown packs, you know, or atom points. Those are more in the uh, MMO style of the games or spinoffs. Mm-hmm. So just straight DLC if need be. Keep it a little bit more RPG and that's it well i got two questions for you guys i'm sorry yeah stuff is coming up i guess we're not getting rid of elder scrolls yet so while me <laughs> and jared elder scrolls play, can't get rid of you either right so while me and jared play fallout 76 we have noticed with the wastelanders update that a lot of those co-op experiences that you could have that you would have always wanted from a bethesda game if it did have online are now there because of wastelanders so my question for you guys is, would you be okay with a Fable-esque co-op where it's only maybe up to four to eight people in your world? They bring their uh, gear. Everything they earn in your world is either in their inventory or it goes to a set stash box, so to speak. And then when they go back to their world, they can manage it or manage it in your world. They'll just have a, uh, a designated loot box, so to speak, an inventory box. Yeah. For that co-op experience, would you be would you be okay with that, or do you really want your Elder Scrolls games, your mainline Elder Scrolls games, to remain single player only? I, I'd be cool, like you know, if it's off to the side, but you know, I no, prefer no the, PvP, just straight. No, 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 like country. like the solo campaign, and um, you know, if you want to hop in co-op, maybe start a world with somebody. That way, they're not jumping in and out so like you know if 
you can only progress as much as you know you and your friend are playing the game i think that would be pretty cool um because one person is just going to grind out the story and then the other person's just going to miss it no you're right you know like with skyrim i had it the main quest done in like a week or two and you know people were still working on it months later because they played the game at their own pace uh that is definitely something they would have to consider and my second question for or brandon did you want to touch on the co-op or you pretty much feel the same way me or alex does about it i feel i feel the same uh it, it, it'd be difficult to see how it would play out um when you're at a different parts of the story like you said you know people go through these games at their own pace that's the beauty of open world games you can do what you want when you want it so, so it'd be difficult it's in 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 the idea is there but in practice i feel like it'd be very difficult to execute now however if there was a callback to uh, I believe it's the Fighters Guild in Oblivion, where you have the arena set up, and if you had, you know, champions from, you know, other parts of wherever Elder Scrolls Six takes place, come and you do like a co-op mode in there. It's off to the side. It's, you know, it fits in with lore if need be. Um, you know, I feel like a little taste of, of uh, co-op. Right, kind of like Rise, the Xbox One launch title, where you from Crytek, you went into co-op, and you literally played like survival mode or objectives inside the Gladiator Arena. Yeah, something like that. Uh, I think that'd be cool. Uh, one of the things I was thinking of while you're talking is what if, you know, in co-op, they either make a world where the main quest doesn't exist. Or the main quest is already completed, so to speak, to that main world. So you don't have to worry about whatever the um, consequences are of completing it. The lack of NPCs. Maybe there is an environment change. You don't have to worry about going through the quest to experience that. Maybe it's already done. Maybe it never happened. Maybe like a blank uh, slate. But Alex, I think you kind of said that. Where you'd start a new world and it wouldn't be yours and it wouldn't be your friends. I don't know. I'd like to see it. My second question is, do you think they will do uh, Oblivion-type DLC, Skyrim-type DLC, a Fallout-type expansion pass, or content updates, which everyone's relying on these days, where they are title updates that actually give you extra uh, gameplay elements, and in this case, it would be storylines, map locations, God knows what else. Uh, they did it a little bit with Skyrim. They added, like I said, mounted combat. The um, honestly, that's all I remember. That was like really stood out. Uh, what kind of DLC would you guys want from Elder Scrolls Six? Title update based, microtransaction based, or maybe more the classic expansions? What do you think is more realistic at this point in Bethesda's development cycle? Fallout Four. Expansion pass, yeah. I feel like I that's, be, that's the new, uh, new norm. Yeah, I just I'm not a fan of it, but I figured I'd ask because I, I feel like it's a good question to ask. To you know, especially with Bethesda's history on DLC, it's all over the place. So that wraps it up for Elder Scrolls. Uh, we, you know, good job, guys. I feel like I learned a lot about Morrowind. <laughs> uh, I might actually have to go back and play Morrowind. Uh, one of the next things I want to talk about before we close out this episode is a game that I don't even know why the hell they announced it because they don't talk about it. Uh, Starfield. It is Bethesda's uh, single-player 
uh, delve into space. Alex, take it away. What do you What do you think? What, what's I'm going actually, on? I'm actually excited to see what they do with it because um, it's in the Elder Scrolls universe. Uh, what? Yeah. What? What? Mm-hmm. It's uh, in the Elder Scrolls universe. What the fuck? No way. Yeah. So there's going to be magic in there. Uh, I think Pete Hines announced that. Uh, like super far in the future, maybe, you know, space away, you know, <laughs> galaxy far, far away. <laughs> uh, damn, that's crazy. I didn't, I didn't realize that it would take place in the Elder Scrolls universe. I thought it would just be literally like Outer Worlds out one, you know, because we had Outer Worlds come out, which is very similar to a space and futuristic fallout. Um, but I mean, for Bethesda to go in and, you know, not just make a generic space, but, you know, have it tie into the Elder Scrolls universe in some way. That's piqued my interest a little bit. Made me a little I, more excited. I think they're just trying to make a uh, Elder Scrolls and Fallout baby. Uh, um, but I'm excited to see what they do with it. You know, maybe I'll pick it up. Uh, and hopefully they don't have Skyrim magic in there. <laughs> uh, but... You can dual wield. I would also like to point out that the Starfield reveal trailer was released in 2017 at E3. So it's almost three years radio silence on the game. If what you're saying is true, I'm not saying you're lying. I just I just legitimately didn't know if it is in the Elder Scrolls universe. That is fucking mind boggling. And now I want everything to do with that game. Because when I'm playing Elder Scrolls, I, I really think about that. Like, what would this universe look like in the future? And obviously, it's going to take place in space. Nothing wrong with that. But we're going to be able to essentially play Starfield uh, on whatever space station we're on or planet. We will potentially find books that talk about whatever has happened in the Elder Scrolls, you know, way, way long time ago. It's, I don't know. I I don't think they're going to mention, I mean, obviously, they're going to do, like, Easter eggs. But I don't think uh, they're going to mention... Like the flat Elder out Scrolls talk about series. it. Yeah, I think it's Unless just like based on based on like Elder Scrolls as a whole, like uh, magic and you know mon- uh, all the gods and everything. I think they're gonna play a partial role in it. What uh, if Akatosh just like is flying around in space? <laughs> <laughs> Better be on some good ganja. <laughs> uh, uh, yeah. Well. All the gods are in, uh, I think it's Aetherius, uh, the god realm. Uh, that's why, like, the sun is so big. It's actually uh, Mundos. Uh, he saw that Lorcan was uh, taking out all his magic, so he was the first to leave. That's why there's the sun uh, in the sky, because uh, he is the most powerful uh, magical being. And that's why you have magic in the Elder Scrolls series. So it's going to be weird how they do it with Starfield. But I don't even know if that's true because that was from Pete uh, Hines' Twitter. Yeah, and he's a fucking liar. Just kidding, Pine, Pines. Pines? Uh, Pete Hines, you know, we love you, dude. You're just you're just not Todd Howard, so I wish you would stop talking. Um, <laughs> uh, yeah, man. I mean, well, either way, the idea of having this futuristic... Uh, first person, no, well, first person, uh, single player, but that's the game where there could be magic as well as obviously, you know, guns. I'd really like to see how they do that. 
even if it's an inkling of the Elder Scrolls universe somewhere in it, that I, I'll buy the game for that. I don't care. Just to experience whatever that Easter egg is. You know, when the reveal trailer came out, I was honestly blown away. I didn't expect them to do a single-player space game, but the fact that it's been like three years and like we haven't heard anything about it is kind of irritating. It's along the lines of like Halo Infinite, which we were talking about earlier, where it's like, why would you wait until the last minute to talk about it? Granted, sometimes if you talk too early about a game like Starfield, it's like, why did you even announce it in the first place? And that's kind of how Halo Infinite is, Starfield, and I'm sure so many just countless games out there. Brandon, what do you want from Starfield? Are you, were you excited by the trailer? Is there anything that like crossed your mind when you saw it? Do you uh, remember the trailer? Which was not much. Straight up didn't even watch the trailer. Not going to lie. Uh, oh, I... Sorry, I can make it quick for you. They pan out of a fucking planet. And there's a space station. It says Starfield. And Bethesda's like, oh, my God, look what we're doing. I swear to God, that's it. Huh. Oh, generate the hype. I mean, you literally said it was Fallout or Elder Scrolls in space. And, um, you know, I didn't really get my hopes up because it's like, oh, well, if, if there's concrete gameplay and a true announcement that shows what the fuck they're going to do with it. It's just a just a trailer and a title. We'll see what happens in five years. Honestly, I'm not. I'm not thrilled. I'm not disappointed. I'm just. It's. 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 It's there. It's, it's yeah. Just there. No, it's, I. It's just. It's just floating out in space right now. I. I, so. I think we speak for a lot of people that you know love Bethesda games. It's. It's just there. It's just the placeholder title. I. It just works. It just works, it just man. Works. You know they're clearly working on something. Hopefully, it actually works, but. That's kind of where I see it, too. You know, cool, you're doing something in space, but if you're not going to talk about it, then it's kind of like, all right, what a waste of time. So to wrap things up, I have a curveball topic for you. Alex, I'm, so, I'm sorry, but you're pretty much just listening in at this point. I do want you to chime in at some point because I have a question for you. Pokemon Unite got announced today. It is being made by Tencent Games, which is a massive 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 company in china they are basically the facebook of china they make a ton of mobile games i have a hot take for you guys and it's that i'm extremely excited for the game and i think it's going to work really well as a pokemon moba the the arena they have made the graphics the idea of this gameplay really has me hyped i don't think it's going to be a good game but i think it's going to make me pretty happy and you should see what is happening on these video cameras right now. <laughs> um, I never would have thought in my life that a Pokemon MOBA would exist. I never thought it was a good idea. Alex and Brandon, I'm going to kill you. Um, <laughs> video makes these a lot better. No, it does, dude. I absolutely love it. Like, I don't know how I went from, like... You can see my entire room to now I'm just a floating head. <laughs> but you look like Boxy. Remember Boxy? <laughs> boxy. But yeah, Pokemon MOBA. We have it. It got announced today. No Seno remakes. Nothing else. Brandon. Mm, yeah. <laughs> Mm, yeah tell us how you feel man i know you're not excited about this at all dude okay so here's the thing oh fucking call me a scrub call me a noob call me what 
the fuck you want to call me. I'm not the biggest fan of MOBAs. I've never... Okay, to be fair, I think I played LOL once. And I was like, this is literally the... Probably the worst experience for a video game I've had in my life. That's opinion. I'm a different type of gamer than people who play LOL. People who play LOL, they have a lot of commitment and whatever. Um, I really don't want to delve into um, the political issues with Tencent. Um I know we're try- we try and keep this uh, podcast as no bummer as possible. And uh, no, we need to keep this podcast real. If you have a a hot take and it's extremely negative, who cares? It's it's how you feel about something. It's about a franchise that we will constantly be talking about on this podcast because true. they find a way to uh, disappoint us on a daily basis. <laughs> Go ahead, man. Just let oh, it yeah. all out. I mean, Tencent is a you know is a huge. Um, advocate for censorship in china you know, uh, along with all the human rights violations uh for that country you know it's just um it and they're obviously it's not game freak who's making the game it's you know the pokemon company international who is green lighting this project which is literally just a reskinned moba that tencent has made countless times on mobile like yeah it's pokemon yeah, I might download it, give it a shot, just because it's Pokemon, but I feel like, not, well, even Game Freak as well, but Pokemon Company International is becoming really out of touch with what their fans would like. Yeah, they're going to pander to the MOBA market, and they'll get that money. You know they're going to get that money. They're the number one franchise, like, media franchise in the world. They're going to get that money regardless of what they do. Um, but it's just... Like it didn't no nobody asked for it and it came out of left field i'm gonna try it but um you know my morals kind of play into it a little bit i know it's a little preachy but um yeah i'm just not i'm just kind of meh it's kind of meh about it i mean we'll see when it comes out um but other than that i'm it's, like, it, it it didn't blow my socks off if it's fun, I'm happy. But like we've said before with the Pokemon company, uh, their heads are so far up their asses. Apparently, they forgot how to make easy games. It's not hard to make a Pokemon game, just like Star Wars movies. <laughs> I just don't get it. Uh, we're going to go into spoiler territory real quick because I have a question for you guys about The Last of Us 2. Um. It's a grand scale. Uh, Brandon is literally downing a shot right now or whatever he's got. It's a 375 bottle. He's just downed it, everybody. Uh, I have a question for you. Uh, you guys both know what happens in Last of Us 2, right? Yes. You know, spoiler alert. You know, yeah, so, okay, so spoiler alert for anybody who wasted their time on that game or plans on it. Um, <laughs> they kill the main character from the previous game, Joel, within a couple hours of gameplay, I believe. I don't know exactly. I I watched the game movie. I hated myself for it. But it happens pretty early in the game. And then they have you play as the person who killed the main character from the first game. With no no real good agenda towards it. They just kind of throw it in your face. And then Ellie almost gets killed by this chick. Sorry, I just burped. Um... And then you play as Ellie one more time to finish the game, and you don't even kill the fucking person who killed everybody 
literally everybody that Ellie liked. Jesse, Tommy, uh, Joel. Who is the chick that she was dating? Uh, I don't remember her name. Nora. Nora. Diva, Nora. Um, it's it's literally one of those names. Sorry. Uh, she. I th- I'm pretty sure she's dead too, right? Like she died? Yeah. So my question for you guys is... Uh, what made you think that they would do that in a video game? No, like purely as a video game perspective, like why do you think they thought killing off a character who really defined the first game and made everyone fall in love with that first game would be a smart idea? Like, you know, this this is a real this is a reach. So bear with me on this. But in Mortal Kombat Armageddon, <laughs> the second movie, the live-action movie, <laughs> Shao Kahn breaks Johnny Cage's neck within, like, the first fucking, like, 20 minutes or whatever. And as a kid, that fucked me up, man. I was really butthurt. <laughs> I'm not going to lie. But would you – I guess a better question to ask because, unfortunately, the first question I ask gets a little um, – I want to – I guess you'd say political. And – we all, I don't know, I don't really want to talk about that. But what if one of your favorite games did this to you with their characters? Like, what would your guys' response be? Even if the, the graphics were good, the audio was good, the character design was great, like, literally everything but the storytelling was good, would you walk away from the franchise? Or would you still try to find the silver lining to what they were trying to accomplish? Which, yeah. Alex. Any franchises that you would either save or you would be like, nah, I'm done. Like, for instance, Last of Us 2. There's a lot of people out there who don't give a fuck whatever they do now with the games. Uh, I can tell you how they could have made Last of Us 2 good. I mean, with Abby killing Joel like that, um, they could have, you know, put the arc on ellie and tommy more and like having abby and her friends run away from tommy's vengeance because uh, he like goes crazy and uh going after him i just watched a video today and uh you know he's in a sniper's nest trying to shoot abby you know the whole time kills her friend i think if we played as tommy doing that i think uh it would have been a lot better you know and then play as abby running away but in the end she should have died uh but no i i wouldn't probably drop the game uh any game if they did well they i did they did do that for world of warcraft for me so i i did drop the game after that brandon um let's see uh i mean honestly the last of us has got to be one of my favorite games you know even before the sequel came out even before it got leaked yeah uh, i always told people you know if you have a playstation get the last of us it's it goes down as one of my top 10 easy um and so once i heard the leaks um were true uh not gonna lie i was disappointed um i was disappointed and i you know i understand that characters have to die you know in a world as bleak and hopeless as um the world that last of us takes place in right um but it's the you know i I'm, I'm not a fan this is the reason why i stopped watching the walking dead i'm not a fan of people 
who just are usually pretty fucking smart and just make one goddamn dumb decision. Joel, you have Joel, this motherfucker who lasted in the apocalypse for so goddamn long. He was not, like, essentially not an outlaw, but was, you know, a smuggler. You know, got people in, got people out. He was fucking street smart. Why in the fuck would he invite this fucking bitch and her clique come into the come into the place and you know basically kill him like hey i have no idea who the fuck you are but come come through you know you have this guy who's survived for so long and he just invites these people into his home and then they fucking kill him i don't i just saw the death scene and now they get pissed i don't know what their real reason was i think i think it has something to do with they couldn't find the cure for some people or some shit well joel kills abby's father Oh. Yeah, he was the scientist who wanted to uh, kill Ellie for the cure. Oh, shit. The more you know. Well, yeah, okay, that kind of makes sense then. But still, with Joel being the, the kind of survivor that he is, you know, you be wary of people, you know, no matter what their intentions may be. They could seem good. You should not trust people you don't know, especially in the apocalypse like that, because that's what happened. You got fucking forward. Got yeah. Straight nine iron to the dome. And, um, I, you know, and that's, that shit's gotta happen, you know? Yeah. But I don't agree with making me feel for a character who just came in this game, killed probably my, one of my favorite video game characters, and make me feel for their struggle. I instantly do not give a fuck. If I get a PlayStation 4 or if PS5's, you know, backwards compatible, I'll probably pick it up for, you know, not full price, but... I still enjoy the gameplay uh, that I experienced in the first Last of Us, and I feel like that's still intact. It's just I'm not going to be involved in the story, which now that I'm saying it out loud, you know, a game could have shitty graphics, could have great graphics. But what it comes down to is gameplay and story. Those are the true 50-50s. And uh, if the story's fucking lacking, uh, the gameplay can't hold it all. So, yeah, I'm, I'm, not, I'm not stoked about how they, uh, how they did it. And how they made me feel for a character that I have no feelings for. Or would have no feelings for had I played the game. Yeah, you know, just going to throw this out there. You know, when when it feels like the writer, whoever it may be, wrote a game, the new storyline, to appease whatever fucking stupid-ass fantasies they had to you know to accommodate themselves instead of writing a good story for the greater fan base it just it fucking sucks man i'm telling you right now yeah. i don't it's not going to happen if it does i'll find you fucking frank o'connor if master chief die like would die in like the first hour of infinite i would drop it halo for a while yeah yeah like and and see like that's that's multiple games that they uh you know that he is involved in so for him to die in the first hour, it's like what the fuck? That's final final stand, like how we experienced in Reach. Final stand goes out like a hero, gets commemorated. That's Halo Infinite, and his legacy is infinite. But if he were to die a Joel death in the first couple hours, that wouldn't do the character justice. And and you know I don't want to derail too far from you know how you would drop Halo, but uh, another issue that The Last of Us Two had is. Um, you know, it's representation of a trans character. And uh, I've seen on forums, uh, multiple people from the trans community um, say that it's a poor representation 
of somebody like that of who identifies as someone they weren't born as so it seems like naughty dog tried to pander to an agenda like he said and they just did a shit job at it just to try and sell copies well i think when you pander instead of naturally writing it in and creating those characters that are going to appease that certain group of people then you fucking fail like there's there's probably so many ways they could have really uh included that audience without forcing it down everyone's throats and i think that's the problem uh we're having but uh yeah man um i just wanted to ask real quick and see what everyone thought um (laughs) alex is playing with his cat and it's fucking adorable uh i don't know i was just curious to see what you guys thought because it's just crazy what has happened with that game you know the first one was revolutionary in its own right for zombie games and they basically took a giant shit on it and the gameplay looks terrible there's no there was not nearly as many puzzles as the first game had which i know made a lot of people happy because it it flowed really well in the first game and just they went the full they went like skyrim 3.0 with last of us they just said fuck everything that you loved in the first game we're gonna shit all over it Anyways, um, I, I think it, I think we're ready to do it, but I wanted to say, and Brandon, you can confirm here, but next Wednesday, if everyone's down, if Alex can do it, I want to record the Phantom Menace episode. I'm, I'm fucking in. Where we dissect Star Wars Episode One: The Phantom Menace. That's like, like we all watch it together? We're not going to watch it together. We're going to watch it the day or two before. And while you guys are watching it, literally, like, pause and, like, go, this part's stupid, this part's great, this part's not as bad as I thought it used to be. You're going to make uh, me watch Phantom Menace? <laughs> it's not even a bad movie. If it's you not... take out Jar Jar. I'd rather, oh, I'd rather watch yeah. Phantom Menace Annie, three yay. times than watch... Uh... Last Jedi? Yeah. Okay, so I can say it then. Yeah, so next Wednesday, you can catch us delving into Star Wars. Finally, we keep talking about it. It's going to happen. Episode one. Uh, next Wednesday, we'll, we will record it. Uh, anything else you guys want to close out on? Anything? Elder Scrolls, Fallout, Last of Us, anything at all? Well, um, I think I'm all done. But I think for uh, you know our Star Wars discussions, uh, the negotiations will not be short. stupid oh god uh yeah so that's it for us tonight you know thank you for tuning into the it just works podcast thank you to alex our bethesda correspondent the man who knows way too much about these games i hope you've all god howard yeah i hope you all have learned as much as we have because honestly there's stuff i didn't know about in the elder scrolls games that i learned tonight uh alex you can go ahead and close your close yourself out real quick bye yeah so uh yeah thank you to alex uh brandon is we had a good show today episode one next week everybody thank you for tuning in to the it just works podcast i'm ryan have a good night and i'm brandon thank you guys for tuning in and uh catch y'all next week take care guys